gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, and I'm coming to you all the way from my home office. We're doing a little uh, a little rehab here. We're doing some stuff, some things. <laughs> but if you're not watching on YouTube, you're probably listening on your favorite streaming platform. And as such, I would like to say thank you and shout out to our sponsor, Charlie Hustle, been with us from the jump. You can't see it, but I'm wearing the old Patrick Mahomes uh, Charlie Hustle shirt right now. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more. Guys, I've been trying to get this next guest on the podcast for well over a year. Uh, most of that is my fault because I'm terrible in the details. Uh, but then COVID happened. Like we had an amazing lunch at uh, Gates Barbecue. Hey, may I help you? And uh, this gentleman, he's just made an impact on my life beyond what he knows, uh, tracking all the way back to 2014. This is the uh, co-founder or founder, uh, we're going to talk more about that, of DeFactory, uh, my guy, Kevin Oldham. What's good, Kevin? What is good, Paul? Good to see you, my friend. Uh, yes, I really wish we were breaking bread at, at Gates instead of talking through the interwebs, but we'll roll with it, right? It works. It works. We'll roll with it. So before we move on to the first question that we ask everybody, co-founder, founder, did I nail, what is it? Is it, is it exclusive? Create? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's all on my back. Yeah. Founder. It's all on my back. Um, my man. Yeah. Never a doubt. It's all on your back. Like this reflection is all on my forehead. Isn't that nice how we get these reflections? I, you know, I think when you and I were younger, we might've had more hair up here. <laughs> I don't I'm know not that quite that's sure. true. I've, but that's always, all right. I've always had the Eddie Munster brother my whole life. Oh, have you really? Yeah. Thanks for bringing up old stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know what? We'll talk about the deep child wound if you want to. (laughs) I do want to. But before we talk about that, let's talk about what you do for fun, my friend. Funny you should ask because (laughs) one of my rules as a middle-aged male is to kind of like, kind of like what you do is, is, is to act how I act, how I feel, Mm. not act my age. So I love to skateboard. So much so that this is the shop board. It's it, this one's this one's in good shape because I don't really shred as much. Uh, but I've got we have an eight year old uh, son, Landon, who um, probably three years ago he said, "Hey, Dad, I want to skateboard." And I used to skate a ton when I was a kid. Stopped when I was fifteen. Um, so I had to buy a board to teach him, and I've really enjoyed doing it again. It makes me feel like a kid. We go to the skate park. Whole family went this weekend. Just a heck of a lot of fun, and. Uh, I think it's kind of cool when the kids see a dad out there shredding it up as well um, to, instead of just sitting there on the sidelines watching. So For sure. and I got a lot of scars too. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that uh, <laughs> both internally and externally. Um, you know, you, first of all, you're the first person that's ever brought a prop to the Fundamism podcast. So oh. kudos to you. Uh, but what you just said, the answer that you just gave, I think that kind of uh, showcases the whole reason why uh, I admire you so much, and I wanted you on the podcast because you and I, we see so similarly in uh, mm-hmm. life how we carry ourselves and getting back to that childlike spirit, and um, not without challenge. You know, I'm certain yeah. that there are folks in your life that have pushed on you a little bit. Now's not the time, Kevy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but nevertheless, you know uh, what I admire is you've remained the course, or you stayed the course, and here we are bringing a score, uh, uh, skateboard that did have an elephant on the bottom with tusks. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is from my ba- favorite skater, Mike Valelli. If uh, wow. anybody knows, back in the old days, he used to be with Pal Peralta, with uh, Tony Hawk, and Steve Caballero, and all those guys. So yeah, this is uh, the board that this is the elephant that was on his original board, and uh, yes. Super, super sweet. So we only ride his his boards, Street Plant, Independent Skateboarding, not a paid promoter. <laughs> Just a huge fan of some dude who's doing his own thing in his garage now. He's also the lead singer of the punk band Black Flag. Really? Yep. And he had a cameo in Mall Cop, uh, which was a fantastic film if we're going to talk about films. Oh, for Just sure. Talk, just talk about Paul. I mean, Paul Ball. <laughs> an amazing, an amazing oh. hero. For for sure, and I, I mean, I I feel like if we're going to talk about it, we should really talk about the snub at the Oscars because the dude went hard. Let's and he threw it all out there, uh, right. and I mean all of it. 
and uh, just didn't didn't really get recognized for uh, for the value that he served us outside of of course this conversation. <laughs> right. It, the fact I don't know about the bit with the Oscars. I mean, if he was really going hard in the paint, hoping to get <laughs> hoping to get an Oscar for that film. Um, I'm proud of him. I mean, you know what? You got to have hope. You got to have hope. Without hope, we have nothing. <laughs> so, so before so bless uh, him. Bless, bless him. Bless, bless and him. Uh, speaking of blessing, you mentioned Tony Hawk. I uh-huh. used to play the hell out of that on PlayStation. Yeah. And it uh, wasn't super great, but I remember some of the moves. And I think there was um, uh, there was a move called the Antichrist or uh, something Christ. Where There's the Christ air. The Christ, Christ, the Christ air. And it was my Christ favorite move. move. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. So my question to you is, outside of Tony Hawk, when was the last time you injured yourself on a skateboard? I didn't do it this weekend. Um, <laughs> it was it was week before last. My son and I decided to be a little bit of uh, daredevils. We've got uh, an unnamed commercial business in our in our area, and they have this big downhill, and it kind of goes around the corner. And we worked up our our mojo, got you know very confident, and I said I'm going to go all the way down with all of my velocity and try to make the corner. And I realized that one of two things was going to happen. Either I was going to make the corner, but it was going to be very close, or I just needed to hit the eject button. Going faster than I can run. So when I, when I jumped off on the grass, I, I did something to my foot. Uh, see, that's why it's, it's, I, listen, I'm all about the childlike spirit. I'm all yep. about doing fun stuff. Uh, yep. We've been playing 500. You remember that old game, 500, where you throw a ball? Oh, Kevin, uh-huh. let me tell you. I, I need to get out more. Yeah, of course you do. Of course. <laughs> I need- uh, story of everybody's life during the pandemic, <laughs> though. Pandemic? Ooh. Yeah. That was, well, that, that was so two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, it wasn't on the news anymore, so I thought we didn't have to like talk about it. So 100% yeah, true. I, I, just, I didn't think it was a thing anymore. Well, um, back to normal. So, five hundred is a game where you there's a there's a thrower or a kicker who has a ball, and you throw it up as high as you can or kick it up as high as you can in the air, and you call out a point value, two hundred points. And there is a number of people on the receiving end of said ball, and whoever catches it gets that point value. Oh, cool! Of course, the game ends when somebody reaches five hundred. Hence the name. We've been playing that a lot with the kids lately. Uh, It's been absolutely amazing. But the thing I like about that game is the susceptibility to injury and probability is is extremely low versus riding a skateboard. I won't go as hard as you. So what I'm saying is you got it, dude. Whatever it is, you got. And just keep it. I don't know what it is, but I got it. And I I, I haven't found a doctor that can cure it yet. (laughs) You know what? Then again, then again, there's parts of me that say, you know what? I'm glad I got whatever it is. Not sure what it is. Genetic. I'm pretty sure it just runs on the male side of the Oldham family. Uh, it's this weird thing that we always talk about, the Oldham males being a different breed of characters. Awesome. Um, but yeah, whatever it is, I wouldn't trade it. Um, yeah. It makes me an oddball, but hey, the world needs oddballs. 100%. And that's how we connected. <laughs> so uh, little Wayne's World, 2014 is the year. The Royals have they haven't made a postseason, Kevin, in 29 wow. years. Brutal, I mean, wasn't it? Garbage. It was garbage, right? But 2014, it all changed, right? Yeah. And uh, John Stoner and I are out at the stadium doing our thing. We're introduced to this amazing young man by the name of Nathan Leaker. And uh, just a diehard fan. And oh my gosh. Like, he is, isn't he? The energy <laughs> and spirit of that kid. Are amazing. I mean, the fa- we're still Facebook friends to this day, and I tell you, if you engage in a Royals-based discussion, uh, you better be prepared to be there for hours because it doesn't stop. And you just gotta. And I hate to say this, Nathan, if you're listening, bro, I love you. Um, I just sometimes I have to ignore it because I got I gotta still live and like and the messages keep coming. But yeah. uh, the guy is oh my gosh he's so amazing and if you don't know Nathan Leaker he is thriving with uh, cerebral palsy is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what he has. 
And uh, he, he's just an awesome guy. And you are a family friend that has connected with him throughout the years. And uh, 2014, my guy, John Stoner, and I are rocking the cat suits. And all of a sudden, uh, for one reason or the other, the Royals are winning. And there is a faction of people that believe that for, for some stupid reason that the, the cat suit guys have something to do with this winning streak. And so they're like, well, we got to send these guys to every playoff game because they're the reason we're winning. And so they created a GoFundMe account, which is just nonsensical. I mean, that is, that's exactly what I hate about GoFundMe and that it's used for all the wrong reasons. But of right. course, there are some fantastic reasons. So we decide um, that we're going to turn that money over to Nathan and uh, send him to the playoff games with whatever we could, we could earn. Mm-hmm. Angel investor comes along. Uh, <laughs> literally, uh, the Christ heir. He comes through and uh, donates um, playoff tickets to Nathan Leaker uh, and family and uh, it sends them to the playoff games. And we're able to give him the money just for the experience, you know, popcorn and uh, whatever he wants, Coca-Cola. But uh, come to find out that that, uh, that saint was Mr. Kevin Oldham. It was you, my friend. And uh, I had to learn more about you. And we connected at, uh, I think it was Nathan's graduation in person for the first time? Yeah, yeah. We were out at their house in Raymore, Raymore Belton, whichever. I think you it was bet. Raymore. But yeah, it was good to, and, and frankly, that was the first time I met Nathan as well. Um, the story's kind of a cool one because we didn't actually know their family. So we had, we had um, so the Royals had released like a, a lottery of tickets or something. They were actually World Series tickets, I think. They were. They were World Series tickets because I was so excited because I, I, I like won the lottery or whatever, got the opportunity to buy them. And I still remember I was sitting in my office at my old company, and one of my colleagues, Jane Ann Conklin, uh, stuck her head in. And I said, "Hey, look, I, I got tickets like these whole you know, these coveted tickets that you couldn't get." And she's like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And she and she she casually mentioned she she casually mentioned uh, Nathan. And said, "Hey, if you know of any any way that he can, you know, get tickets or whatever, let me know." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And I sat there for about a minute, and then I text my wife and I said, "Hey, I don't think we're supposed to have these tickets." And she's—I I still remember—I said, "I said, there's this kid who's a super fan who who really wants to go." And I was like, I, "I don't think we're supposed to have them. I think we're supposed to just give them to this kid." And she's like, "Yep, that's exactly what we're supposed to do." And that's what I love about my wife, Andrea. You know, she's the most selfless person I've ever met in my entire life. And she's just like, yeah, absolutely. Let's give them to the kid we don't know. And so it was real, it was real cool because, you know, we got to meet you guys uh, through the process, got to meet Nathan, his family. And um, just, just, I know that he had a hundred times more fun at that game than we would have ever had. 100%. I mean, they still, uh, (laughs) they were live streaming um, his, him watching the playoff games in 2015. And uh, the joy on his face, Kevin, and the mm-hmm. tears in his eyes and the excitement mm-hmm. uh, was something that I'll probably never experience. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think the moral of the story and the reason why I wanted to share how we were introduced is one of my favorite fundamentals and one that I think that we should all probably throw a little more energy into is thinking bigger and beyond mm-hmm. ourselves, right? And yep. gosh, you feel so amazing. Yeah, I know it's somewhat selfish because you you undoubtedly receive something in return from throwing goodness out into the world. But when you meet somebody like, you know, Nathan or, or, or Noah Wilson or Brittany Kistner, any of these folks that we've had the opportunity to connect with and you see this moment that has been created just through connection and relationship mm-hmm. and it puts things into perspective and byproduct of that is get introduced to really cool people like yourself. So let's talk a little bit about your journey, man. You mentioned that yeah. um, you're with a different company back then. Uh, mm-hmm. You've always been, you know, a, a mover and a shaker, an entrepreneur, <laughs> a guy with ideas. So first yeah. of all, where did, where did that come from? Is, is that something that was also in the Oldham family tree, the entrepreneurial spirit? You know, um, so, so I remember I had to write a blog post about this and it, it's pretty funny. My, I feel, I feel bad for my family, uh, because, because I basically forced them to be customers of my first business. <laughs> but I remember having a library that I established in my closet of books that my, 
my parents bought for me. Okay. It's not like I earned these books or anything like that. So it's just, you know, a small family, just me, my mom and dad and my brother, who's seven years older than me. But I remember organizing my books and putting them in my closet and then basically forcing my family to come check out books. And I, I charged them. I mean, it wasn't a free, it wasn't like the the community library. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was not a free, it was, it wasn't really a library. It was, uh, because the library, you get to walk in and get them out for free. Yes. I don't know what it was. Uh, but then but then when I was skateboarding, so so my mom opened a skateboard store when I was probably in third grade um, because we grew up in Topeka. And in Topeka, you know, in the 80s, there wasn't a place to buy, you know, like the first Tony Hawk skateboard. So when they started making them, instead of being very narrow, the wider boards that, that we ride today. And... So my mom opened that store and that's, that, that showed me that we could go out and like create businesses to fulfill, to create value, to, to, to meet an unmet, uh, unmet need in a marketplace. But also as an offshoot of that, I was skating all around Topeka. It was actually pretty safe to do so back in the eighties. And this is back when we had these things called hubcaps on cars and they would always fly off. Hubcaps would always fly off because they just kind of clipped on. And I found a guy in downtown Topeka who had like a, a used wheel tire hubcap store. And he would pay me real money for these hubcaps. Like if I got those wire ones from a Cadillac, those were usually worth like 20 and 25 bucks cash money. So we'd be out skating. I'd find, you know, a lot of times people would prop them up against a stop sign so people could find them. And so I'd find these hubcaps and I'd just skate over to his joint and walk out with cash. Um, so those were some of the early imprints, um, probably that helped, helped form my entrepreneurial journey, but we did, we were not, you know, from, from somebody who I'm, I'm really the, actually the first entrepreneur in my family. Who's just like left a perfectly good job and, and put money at risk, you know, in a, in a big way, my mom's skateboard store was more of a, uh, a fun thing for her to do, to be part of our lives, which I'm super, super grateful for. Um, so yeah, I'm the first. I guess, true entrepreneur in my family. My man. So beyond selling hubcaps and, uh, (laughs) and the opportunity to read books that uh, they've already paid for, um, (laughs) you go to, did you go to school? Uh, did you, what level of education did you get? Did you go Mm -hmm. for a specific, uh, you know, task? Uh, What was your, what was your, what was your dream? What was your process? You know, initially I thought I was going to be a police officer. Um, so, so when I got out of high school, yeah, I, I knocked out like the basics at Johnson County Community College while I was still living with my folks and working. And uh, I realized that I wasn't going to be a great cop. Um, it wasn't going to be something that, that I was passionate about. So I, I pivoted over to the business world. Uh, Baker University, you know, allowed me to, because I've always worked to me. I, I even got fired from my first job in Overland Park because I lied about how old I was. I was too young. I, I think you had to be 16 and I was 15 working at Food for Less. But I just wanted to work. And so um, so, so the, 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 the cool thing was, you know, Baker University has a, an evening program for working adults. So I got my undergrad in business administration from there and then went back to get my, my MBA. Um, and I got that in 2007. Um, but as I look back on like my college experience, it, it was helpful. It t- taught me like the discipline and all those things. I met some great people, but really, you know, the past, I'll, I'll call it 12 years or so of being part of either high performance teams or, um, you know, starting to factory has been very humbling. I've learned a lot here. That was like the real world MBA where I've really, really kind of from 30 to now, um, feel like I'm kind of figuring things out. For sure. Still still not there all the way by any means. And I don't think anybody ever is. But. Nor will we ever be. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so thankful to hear you say and to reflect on your college experience because, um, you know, when I asked the question, it wasn't about what level of education did you get. It was more about your process and, and what you went to school for specifically and all that stuff. But I, too, had the opportunity to go to college and uh, I don't really remember much of what was yeah. learned outside of mm-hmm. the diligence, uh, like you said, mm-hmm. and, and structure, which, you know, structure. I had never yep. really um, performed on my own. You know, I, I, never, I never leaned uh, on myself as heavily as I leaned on my parents growing up. Right. 
And so I think going to Johnson County and then UMKC gave me that. But when I reflect back, like you just did, it's not like I could say, oh man, my speaking prowess or my ability to connect with people or whatever was from uh, the Block School of Business. Uh, But albeit absolutely amazing experience and I'm a ride or die UMKC alum, but you know, it just reinforces the fact that that sometimes, actually all the time, people learn in different manners, right? Different vehicles. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think what, what you just showcased is individuals like you and I, we learn best through experience. And so yeah. here we are, like you mentioned, uh, high-performing teams. So that's one of the things that fascinated about you when we met at Gates is you were talking about your experience and the development of people and leadership techniques and all that stuff. So what, what business was that through and what was your experience in try to transfer, trying to transfer skills and get people to be a part of a high-performing team? Yeah, you know, back in 2007, um, I, I joined a company that's in the business of uh, franchising real estate offices in rural America. And I, I joined that company. It's called United Country Real Estate. It's been a Kansas City company since 1928, I think. So over 90-year-old business, but a lot of people haven't heard about the company just because we were the we were the market um, leader in in C and D populated counties. So really cool places, you know, if you wanted to recreational property or hunting, you know, fishing property or mountain property. We always said that we sold the property, not people really caring about the where, but the what what they get to do with that property. And you know, the, the company had been bought by an investment group, brought in a new leadership team of which I was part of the, the leadership team. And, you know, I, I spent uh, almost eight years there, worked my, way up to, worked my way up to chief marketing officer of the, um, the overall organization, had a lot of fun in the process. And that was a huge period of growth for me. Uh, I got to really just build what, what I needed to build for the organization. They told me what they needed, got to hire who I wanted, got to build um, a dream team and had a heck of a lot of fun in the process. We built a couple businesses through, um, through the, 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 the organization and then um, did a, a liquidity event um, with the private equity group, McCarthy Capital back in 2015. And I literally left the day the transaction closed. That's the day I resigned. Um, the day that I was going to be an equity owner in the business because they you know, wanted management to keep a, a portion of the company. And I still remember resigning, actually texting my wife as a final gut check. You know, I'm like, babe, <laughs> we'd already decided. She empowered me to do this. She, I, I wouldn't be where I, where I am from a business perspective. It wasn't for my wife, but still that day, you know, I'm like, are you sure? You know, because I'm going to quit this great job and we don't know what the card is that they're going to flip over, but it's going to be a good card, you know, in terms of ownership in the company and walked away because I wasn't living my authentic life. I, I was uh, traveling internationally. I was commuting 90 miles a day at that point in time, had, had two young children and, you know, was kind of looking at this as halftime in life and saying, Hey, if, if, if this, if this is my life, if I keep going down this path, does it? check all the box and think boxes and things that I want as, as a person that are important to me and as a father. And the answer was no on a couple core metrics. Um, the, the first one was for my children. It was awesome. Like I accomplished the goal. I accomplished a lot of my goals the day I resigned, which was cool. Uh, one goal was, you know, for Landon and Lucy, our, our son and daughter, I wanted to, you know, when they, when they inevitably came up to me, and needed guidance in life and said, Hey dad, I want to be a, a rodeo clown or Hey dad, I want to be president or whatever. I, I wanted to empower them in a way where I wasn't being hypocritical. And I knew that I needed to go start a business by myself. I'd started one with a partner back in the early two thousands. I got to start businesses within the United ecosystem, but under the safety net of an, of a, of a well-capitalized business. But I never got to go. I never just like jumped out of that airplane as one of my mentors says, and built the parachute on my way down. So I needed to be able to do that. I was—I had this irrational fear that I was going to die early or be on my deathbed, and I hadn't taken a shot. So just me resigning, I took the shot. And then also being able to tell my kids um, in a non-hypocritical way to pursue their passions, to pursue their dreams, because I wasn't doing it myself. And I couldn't look at them and say, hey, Landon and Lucy, yeah, go, go be a rodeo clown, <laughs> or whatever it is that they decide that they want to be in life. 
So by jumping, you know, um, that made it so I could say that from a place of truth because I was walking the walk. And my wife and I, we had an agreement. It was like, hey, I was going to give this to factory thing uh, six months. And if, if I wasn't successful, then I was going to go get a job. And our first month was still one of our best ever. Um, grew very, very quickly, too fast. Um, but we just celebrated our five-year anniversary uh, a week ago, um, basically yesterday. So Congratulations. We're in a, That's, um... a decent place. For sure, and uh, not without <laughs> not without challenge, which we'll talk about as well. But what's yeah. amazing about that story is, I feel like um, a lot of folks that have found their true passion, or are living their authentic life, or are truly not one hundred percent fulfilled, but are well on their way to living a life full of fun, joy, and fulfillment had this moment, this epiphany moment like you, where there was a fork in the road and, and you just looked in the mirror and was like, nah, this ain't it. You know, you know, I, I got everything. I don't want to stop you. I don't want to stop you, but did did you hit record? Oh no. I, oh crap. Yeah, I did. Why? Okay, cool. (laughs) I didn't see it was recording here and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I do this all the time. So I wanted to save us just in case. Okay. Sorry. Back to you. It says recording in the top left-hand corner. That means it's recording, Perfect. right? That means it's recording. You're good. It doesn't say it's recording on my end. That's why I was concerned. I like to be coy about things. Like I like to, uh, I like to really not set expectations. Uh, therefore, people <laughs> <laughs> just let things happen. Yeah, exactly. Right? Just kind of go uh, with the flow. For sure, right? Why not? Then you you don't let people down, but you don't overexceed. <laughs> like you're just you just kind of exist. You just ride in the middle. That's right. Just kind of exist. That's you right. know, sometimes I wish I could just kind of exist. No, like be not. that non-type A, hey man, like whatever happens, happens. <laughs> it seems like a less stressful way of living life. Well, you know what though? You say that and uh, you took that risk and going back to the mirror and the epiphany moment and all that stuff. There's so many people that are unhappy, Kevin. Um, you know, you were about mm-hmm. to be you were about to be in a position that would have really set you up for success from a economic standpoint, at mm-hmm. least in the moment you would think, right? Uh, yeah. Who knows what that would, where that would serve you long-term, but you know, a lot of folks that are saying, well, it's, it's nice that you guys could live your passion. Maybe they don't have that nest egg to be able to create that. Um, but what's amazing to me, cause I had that same moment, brother, like almost <laughs> to the T what you said, you know, had everything that society told me I should have Mm -hmm. to make me happy and I was miserable. And so I quit. And uh, two years after I quit, uh, I was broke. I was significantly in debt, uh, all credit card debt, $40,000 plus. Um, You know, people saw me as this outgoing guy that was, you know, fun loving. And I was, because Mm -hmm. despite the fact that I didn't have any money, like I was pursuing my passion. And right. Did you go did. into debt for that terrible vegan uh, meal that we ate together? I did. Yes. Uh, I. Oh my gosh, that was. So was that terrible. part of the forty thousand dollar? Did Did you pay interest was, on on that? Did vegan I pay? Meal? Did I pick that check up? I'm pretty <laughs> sure you fought me. You fought me over that check. You're like, oh, I'll expense it. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? As I'm handing it to you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot my wallet. Um, here's my point. Yeah, <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, oh man, let me get that for you. Can't, can't get it. Darn it. Oh my gosh. You know, my, I, I think ultimately the point is everybody was really in fear about, uh, COVID and this pandemic and mm-hmm. where people would fall. Right. Like it was literally everybody's fears exacerbated. What would I do if I didn't have an income? and I couldn't feed my family, and I potentially lose my house. It's like everything that you thought that would happen if you didn't have a job, mm-hmm. a lot of folks live that, live that life over the course of the last couple of months, right? Yep. yep. Worst case scenario. But you know mm-hmm. what? The bulk of folks are making it through it. Yeah. You're like, it, was, it was the biggest fear in the world, but I think what this is showcasing is that it's possible. Like you, you position yourself in a place where you feel like, you can't live without, or you couldn't quit this mm-hmm. job, or you can't pursue your passion because you have to fulfill a lifestyle. Well, well, downgrade your lifestyle, or yes, 
realize that you won't be evicted immediately or, you know, figure out how to make, you know, small incremental changes to pursue the things that you really want to. And, and folks like you and myself, we are blessed to be able to do that, but it doesn't come without challenge. And so I want to talk about that with you because there were, there were times where you and I spoke candidly where you weren't certain that the factory was going to make it right. Yep. Absolutely. what were those times like for you and how did you, how did you get through them? Yeah. So 2018, no, 2000, so we started the turnaround. So 2017, I don't, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what, what I was doing. I think it was self-sabotage because it, because mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, that really bugs me. Um, as I look back at it, I'm super thankful it happened because without it, like nothing, nothing would be the way it is right now, but you'd let the tape play in 2017. So 2017, we're growing. I'm feeling good about the prospects of the company growing. We move out of my basement to our first office. We're sharing space with the software company and things feel really good. Um, we, you know, hire some folks and, um, I remember we we hired uh, a team member, and then like two days after we 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 hired that team member, we got notice from our biggest client that was actually they owned two companies that were clients of ours that we'd helped them so much that they were now able to form an in-house marketing company to serve their brands, and that we they didn't need us anymore. So like right right after, like right after day one with that new hire. We took on more salary, you know, and and overhead, and then we lost a substantial portion of revenue. And so from that point forward, I was making bad decisions on hiring the wrong clients in the name of hitting payroll. And we ran the company hot from a cash flow perspective, and it just, it was brutal. So at the end of 2017, the employee resigned. I entered a a period of, of pretty dark depression. And looked at a variety of scenarios. Looked at merging with a company that um, that we still think very highly of. Um, ultimately, what I did was I kind of mailed it in for the rest of the year and said, you know, it wasn't a great year. I reflect every year in between Christmas and and the New Year, and I, I typically reread uh, the E Myth um, Revisited, the Entrepreneurial Myth, the book, which I've been reading annually for the past probably twenty years since that book's been around. And we turned things around in 2018 with the help of some guidance and wisdom from from some of our peers. Um, We flipped it into a recurring revenue model. We're about um, 80% of our business is long-term contracts. And month by month, we just started stacking up the wins, little wins. And we diversified our client base. And frankly, I started at that point in time in January of 2018, I started preparing for the next market downturn because I felt like we were already overdue. So we started getting into a position of, well, we still built out like an office and all those things, but we started hoarding as much cash as possible and kind of putting it in an account for a rate for, for a day of the unknown, whatever that was. You know, I just knew that a market market correction after after managing a real estate business in 2008, 9, 10, 11, I knew what it was like. What is that animal behind you? Oh, that's not behind me, son. That is with me right oh, here. Oh, hello. Oh, hey, guy. This is Maximilian Alexander. He is Maximilian. Uh, what's up, dog? I mean, he's our, oh, he's our youngest son. Really? Oldest nice? son. Oldest son. Firstborn. Oldest. Oldest. Yeah. So, so long story short, I, you know, some luck, also some planning um, made it so that, uh, that not only did we turn the business around, but it's a, it's a fun business to manage. It's a fun business. To, I mean, frankly, we, we, we hired a new team member a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, looking at continuing to grow through COVID and, and after it. So For very, sure. very fortunate that a lot of uh, things that happened a couple of years ago happened when they did because it put us in a, in a position of strength uh, today. And yeah. that's unfortunately not the case of some of my peers and friends. Um, 100%. And um, yeah. I, love, I love the idea of the reoccurring revenue model. You know, when you talked about it and you presented mm-hmm. your thoughts and all that stuff, it, it really resonated with me because obviously it makes sense that if you can get stuff coming in uh, and commitments made, um, then maybe just maybe it's a lot uh, less stressful to think about mm-hmm. how to go out and find new clients as well, which obviously yep. never dies. You're going to continue to go out and find those. Absolutely. New clients. But yeah, you know, 
I think that if you're a first-time listener to the Fundamism podcast or a a first-time guest, uh, it might seem (laughs) a little backwards in how I conduct uh, the interview. And specifically, you may notice that we have referenced DeFactory multiple times, Kevin, but never once have I said, what do you do? Or what is DeFactory? And that may be confusing for some, but it's very deliberate uh, for me. And the reason why is because... I think that you know this. So many times in life, there's so many people that believe that we're defined by what we do or what we've mm-hmm. created or, or you know, what our company does that we lose yep. sight of what really matters. And that's you know, who you are as a person and how you got mm-hmm. to where you are and all that stuff. So all that to say, what in the hell is the factory? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a group of people that, uh, that, that are doing cool stuff for cool people. That's what I always say. We're a bunch of pixel pushers. Uh, But if you want to know what we really do, um, we consider ourselves digital bridge builders. So there's there's companies, most of which are in Kansas City, that uh, either haven't connected with their customers online or they're not doing an effective job of doing that. And so we help them do so in a meaningful way. What does that mean? Uh, We have three core products that we offer. So a lot of people need a website. We build amazing websites and we do so in a, in a way that allows our clients to pay for them over two years, which helps with cash flow and all those things. Uh, we do a ton of e-commerce. So there's a platform called Shopify mm. that uh, is one of the, um, yeah, I think going to buy FedEx or something crazy. I mean, they are, they, they've really grown since, um, since we partnered with them and we're a Shopify uh, partner company, one of only two in Kansas city. And then, um, Kind of the middle tier of our value offering is is uh, the the customers now methodology. So we get a lot of folks that say, "Hey, I need customers, and I need them now." And we have a proven way of putting customers in front of our 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 clients in a in a very uh, measurable way. So I can literally come back and say, "Hey, it costs twenty three dollars and fifty one cents every time we get your phone to ring. So be sure to answer your phone." And it <laughs> takes you two of those to convert it to a customer. So you know it's fifty six bucks every single you know, customers, what, what, what it costs. Uh, so we work with a lot of math to help, uh, to help our, our, our clients understand what it costs to attain a customer, retain them and, and ascend them up their own value ladder. And then, and then kind of top tier is what I would consider to be digital, digital agency of record work, where literally companies are outsourcing all their digital marketing to us. Um, we're a small boutique firm, so you know we 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 love doing those. It's just uh, we have to scale up, staff, staff up a lot of times every time we get one of those clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our largest clients, um, you know, Nasdaq publicly traded business that's um, that's over. I don't even know how much it's worth five hundred million dollars, something like that. More than me. <laughs> yeah, and so we we get to do a lot of their a lot of their digital marketing, which is which is a lot of fun. But well, then we also the, the, the entrepreneur who, you know, our favorite customer, frankly, is, is the freedom fighters, what I call them. And, and we've helped a lot of them. You know, maybe it has something to do with being kind of halfway through life when a lot of people start businesses. We have helped a lot of professionals who have either recently bought a business or are thinking about buying a business or they're thinking about hanging up their own shingle, you know, professional services or whatever. Uh, a lot of people in, in my peer group, are doing that now in their lives. And we've been able to help them with that transition plan. And for, for me personally, that's the most rewarding work we do mm. uh, just because those people are leaving a perfectly good job to go do their own thing. And I've been there and I love the fact that they're taking a shot. And so we fully support them in that process. For sure. Hey, so uh, one of the things that um, in living an authentic life, sometimes that means that... Um, you're vulnerable, right? And uh, not only do you learn through challenge, but you help others learn through challenge. And I think that it's, for me, I know it's imperative uh, for myself to be able to share meaningful moments in my life that have helped shape you know, who I am and, and, and where I am in life, albeit knowing that we have, like you said, uh, a long runway and a long way to go. One of the factors that played into us taking so time, so much time uh, to get with one another is you had some significant life events that have happened over the course of the last couple of months, uh, two significant uh, life events to be, to be exact. So how did, how did the, the passing of loved ones and those experiences 
How did you balance all that stuff that was going on with running a business? Had a good team. I mean, really. Um, so, so yeah, my mom passed away in January of this year and, um, I was able to just exit the business, mm. which was great. You know, team members, I, you know, I say exit the business, uh, as a business owner type a, you never completely exit. Like for me, that's, that's not even something that, that sounds fun to me. Uh, but, but I was, you know, my team, my team was able to, to just pick up the ball and run with it. I did the mission critical things, processing payroll, things like that, that needed to be done. Um, but yeah, I mean, credit to our team here. Uh, they, they, they literally had my back and, um, and I'll forever uh, be grateful for that. And then I got to return one of those team members favors because she lost her mom, uh, you know, a little bit over a month, a month ago. And so I was able to, um, to cover for that team member and tell her <clears throat> and give her permission. Cause, cause I led by example. I said, look, this is real. Like family first is a real thing for our company. And I want you to go be with your mom prior and all that. So she, you know, we continued compensating her, but we, we covered her workload. And so for, for me, um, it was a huge relief to have our team basically pick up, pick up my workload. For sure. Yep. Well, you and I were texting back and forth when some of this stuff was going on, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've had some of that stuff happen in my life. And, um, I, I think I texted you, forgive my ignorance, but I was like, we have so much to talk about, you know, when we meet up. And of course, I didn't prep you for that question. Um, but what what I hope that people see uh, in you and, and you thoughtfully answering that question and the emotion in which you did is that um, shit happens to everybody. Like you have everything and you're killing it and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, the person that you look up to more than anybody in this life is taken from you and you have to make a decision. Like, how am I going to get through? And what I heard you say is, it's okay to lean on others. Like totally. that's what, that's what we're here <laughs> for. Right. Like, you, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the solutions. It's okay to take a step back and say, guys, you know, I know it's corny as heck, but it's like that old, uh, you ever seen that old poster, uh, the footprints in the sand. Oh, I know yeah. that you're, you're, you're somewhat of a faith driven individual, but, um, you know, how, how come you left me at the most challenging time in my life? And, and, you know, of course, God says, uh, you know, I didn't leave you, my son, I was carrying you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that is the same parallel with uh, the role that, that great people could play in our life if you surround yourself with the right folks. So if you hire the right people, if you develop them the right way, if your company is forged with the right company values, because you might have an individual that leads with kindness in their heart and believes in joy, fun, and fulfillment. But man, you could suck that right out of them if your company culture doesn't promote that. So as we start to wrap that up, let's talk a little bit about your culture because I'm certain that people feel empowered to be authentic based on your leadership style. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are your core values as a company and how how do you create that? Here we go. It's so important. Field trip. It's so important that it's written on our wall. Oh my gosh. So you can't read it, but I'll read it to you. So it says, uh, number one is love. We love what our clients do for a living. Otherwise they can't be our clients. That's huge for us. Um, lean in, you know, expect more, take action, have fun. Life is short. Do cool things with cool people. Curiosity, which is the key to a life well lived. Authenticity, super important. Everyone's unique. Be yourself and then own the results. So celebrate wins. Learn from mistakes one time. I love it. So, yeah, those are, I mean, they were important enough that we threw them up on the wall in a major way. But then the more important thing, like when I was designing this company, selfishly, I designed the place that I would want to work. And I knew that if I designed a workplace back in 2015, when I was kind of sketching out business models and everything, that if I designed a place that I wanted to work, I would attract the type of people that I want to work with. Mm-hmm. They have the similar values. So the family first thing, we all have young kids and kids get sick. Kids have events. You know, I'm, I'm teaching my daughter's T-ball lesson or T-ball team after this coaching, not teaching. 
um, it's one of the same. Leave early and feel not guilty for doing so, you know. Mm. And so, so the the whole family thing is is like a real. It's it, it's why I'm here. It's why I'm here. It's why I do what I do. Without my family, I might as well just not exist. I mean, they're my everything. And and frankly, I like working with people that have those similar types of worldviews because. When I say, hey, I'm going to go, you know, eat lunch with my kids at, at, at school and then not come back, I don't feel guilty for that. Yes. And, I, and, and hopefully I'm empowering my team to go do the same thing. For sure. 100%. Well, if you're working all the time, like a workaholic, I'm like, yeah, family first, but it's <laughs> off Landon, piss off Lucy, Andrea, <laughs> make sure supper's ready on the table when I get home. <laughs> And I didn't live it, you know, and I didn't walk the walk. Just marketing BS. 100%. Ma! Ma! The meatloaf! <laughs> Dude, there's so many things. You, like the love, be curious, authenticity, yeah. have fun. Um, you're just you know reinforcing that. Do you, no. know Frank Keck? Do you know Frank Keck? I don't. He's a super Frank and Rachel Keck. They they're they're amazing people. I I forget what the name of their company is, but he helped us with that. He's actually the one who's like, I see love here. Mm. He's like, I know that sounds kind of soft, but I see love, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you guys love each other. You know, you really enjoy what you do. You love your clients. You 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 form personal relationships with them. And I'm like, yeah, it does sound kind of soft, but let's roll with it, Frank. <laughs> And it's true, you know. A couple of years later, it's like, man, it's it, it is true. It sounds soft, and I I do not care. I think it's amazing, one hundred percent, and good love should sound soft. I mean, yeah. those, that's like <laughs> they go hand in hand, right. uh, as does being authentic. Like, if you're soft, then embrace it. Like, yeah. I think it's acceptable to be emotional. It shows strength as a leader. So. You know, I think that one of the things that it's really important to call out, and, and you, just, you just said it without saying it, is that there's a lot of folks, I've been in consulting for years, and there's a lot of companies that decide, oh, we, we, need a, uh, we need a rebrand, or we need a brand identity, or we need to come up with core values, right? It's one thing to, to put a lot of time, effort, to, to write all of those, to come up with them, first of all. Then to, to put them all up on the wall, it's another thing to, to promote those behaviors and those thoughts and to lead with all of those core values as your guiding principles and to instill uh, and empower folks to do the same. So uh, it's not just something where you come up with core values and say, this is who we are. No, actually, what I heard you just say is that you looked at who you were as an individual you looked at where you wanted to work, and that was the defining element of all those core values. And as a result, you started to attract the same people that ran parallel to your belief system. So I admire that a great deal. And to any company, organization, or leader that's listening right now, you know this. It's not just about identifying core values. It's about aligning with specific behaviors. Uh, showcasing who you want to be and what you want to stand for and empowering folks to do the same. And that means that sometimes they need a little more development that you're giving yourself credit for and them's credit for, to be honest. So in closing, if somebody wants to learn more about you or the factory, Kevin, where do we go? Well, you go to the world's uh, right there <laughs> and then you put a dot com after it. Do I have to do an HTTPS? Is that a thing? You don't have to put that in anymore. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't. I don't. We'll auto-populate the www for you as well. So yeah, that's a good place. And then also um, on LinkedIn for me personally, uh, just connect Kevin Oldham. Yes. Find a mugshot that looks like this guy. Probably sure. me. I'm noticing a lot less reflection off your forehead than mine. I don't know if it's my lights. I need makeup. I don't know. You know, I, my, my, my makeup person was out today. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Must not uh, have gotten my mouth. Apparently, so is the individual that charges your ear pods. <laughs> Up top. <laughs> hey, don't forget to tip your, your local podcast. <laughs> 
can't hear a word that you just said. You can't hear a word I just said? I didn't hear a word that you just said. But what did you say? Instill that wisdom. Oh, there they are. I said, if you're not tipping, you're slipping. Be sure to tip your local podcast host. Man. Dude. Or buy, just buy a What's Good shirt or the book. Talk about a fantastic book. I know this is all about people you bring on, but man, can, can I give you some props real quick, please? Dude, give it to me. Right, cool. So thank you for doing what, what, I mean, you're doing for a living what, what I want to do, which is I just want to breathe light into people. That's it. Like, I just want to make people smile, make them know that they're appreciated. And the way I do it, it's like little things at the grocery store, talking to the clerk and things like that. My wife hates going shopping with me because she says I'm embarrassing. But you, sir, as a platform of going out and talking about leading an authentic life and, and enjoying it, man, as far as we know, we got one shot on this huge rock and we're all trying to, to fall off of it. And so thank you for breathing light into the world and also for your fun videos. <laughs> Remind me never to go karaoke singing with you. Holy yeah. Smoke. Uh, Dude, well, I will. Mic talk. Listen, I'll I'll You're win good. in entertainment value, but not in skill. I mean, I uh, I'm not. Can you want to grab my forehead next time I see you? you. Oh, of course. Thank of you. Of course. Thank I you. thought you'd never Thank ask. You. Thank you for that. Listen, I greatly appreciate your kind words, but as you know. Um, you do live the life that you're uh, applauding me for. You just do it in a different manner. I would argue that you do breathe life into your clients every time that you have a sit down with them in a brainstorming session. Whenever you deliver on a promise of uh, aligning their brand with a specific website and the amazing feeling that one gets when they finally see their, their, you got it. Yes. Look at that. So from a marketing standpoint, you know the deal, man. Uh, It's just about aligning with who you are and your core values, which you just exposed. And I think that I can rest easy knowing that if indeed I were taken from this rock uh, tomorrow, that I was pretty damn consistent in who I was and, and what I uh, threw out into the world. So I greatly appreciate you saying that, brother. Defactory.com. This guy is absolutely amazing. Uh, you should try and work with him. Uh, connect with him on LinkedIn, Kevin Oldham. Spelling will be in the podcast notes. Uh, (laughs) but dude i've admired you what you've built and uh really feel blessed to have crossed paths with you thanks for taking the time today with us my friend yeah likewise Uh, it goes back to you 100 percent um kind of kind of weird how this uh this world works and i feel blessed to have crossed paths with you as well call you my friend man my man to the fundamism podcast listener we appreciate your support we wouldn't be what we are without you whatever the hell that is Uh, But goodness gracious, guys, it's been an amazing ride. And I feel just absolutely amazing knowing that you guys are with us. So uh, as always, go out, create some fun in your life and the lives of others. Be safe, smile often, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Deuces! (laughs) 